Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One of our listeners wants to know, is there any chance that someone becomes a Luka-level prospect from this class? Stay tuned to find out. You are locked on the NBA Draft. My name is Sam Ferris. I am one of your co-hosts. And as always, I am joined by my friend and my co-host and the other member of the Draft Dummies, co-host Cody. How's it going for you this morning? It's going really well. Uh, excited as the NBA season kind of unwinds here. Super excited for the playing tournament. Uh, I am totally a fan of it this year. I think those one game uh, all or nothing uh, playing games are going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I totally agree, especially with the firepower and just the stars we might get there. Uh, Steph is going to be in the game. It's going to be Zion. And then also probably one of either Luca or Dame. I mean, that Dame versus Steph matchup in the 7-8 would be pretty awesome. And I imagine the TV ratings would be pretty spectacular as well. Yes, I'm sure they would. So on today's docket, we are doing a mailbag episode where we're answering some of our Twitter follower questions. Uh, those include some of the top-level prospects that we think has the most chance to get to a Luka-level ability, uh, some thoughts on the Knicks, the Nuggets, and then uh, we'll give you a little bit of thoughts on next year's class, some of the guys at the top. Yeah, but first let's start with the first question we got is, who is the prospect that we have struggled the most in terms of our evaluation and just the projection to the next level and so the guy that I'll start with, Cody, I think we each have one, and we can kind of touch on why they've been a bit more difficult for us. The first one for me is Jalen Johnson, and just the reason why he is a bit of a struggle for me to evaluate, Cody, is just kind of the difference between the theory of a player and kind of the archetype of a player versus what you're actually getting, because you kind of look at Jalen Johnson's surface level and he is uh, an athletic guy who's like 6'8 and has perimeter skills. So you think, you know, you could be getting this high level, you know, solid to good athlete with ball skills, good IQ, who is a potentially big wing and every NBA team wants and needs that. But when you dig into the tape at Duke and just prior to college even, it doesn't quite live up to that for me. And, you know, there's a couple different reasons, both offensively and defensively. I'll be interested, Cody, to get your thoughts here. But defensively, he actually kind of he played as the big at Duke. Uh, Matthew Hurt was the other big, but Jalen Johnson almost played the five defensively, you know, especially guarding pick and rolls. He was the guy guarding the big and just the combination of I don't know. Exactly. I can't read his mind, but either the IQ wasn't that great or just the effort wasn't there. And uh, Cody, you and I were, you know, guys that went to church growing up. So I'm going to give a little um, something that 
you know, I learned growing up. And that's the difference between sins of commission versus sins of omission. And we talk about a sin of commission versus omission. The sin of commission is doing something wrong. And the sin of omission is when you're supposed to do something, but you you just don't do anything at all. And I, I saw a ton of that on the film from Jalen Johnson when I don't know exactly what coverage they were running every time in pick and roll. They didn't switch and they didn't blitz the ball handler. But at the same time, Jalen Johnson wouldn't hedge and recover. He played with very little force. And there were times he was just would just kind of stand there. So the defensive film wasn't that great. Um, and then offensively, the fit there is going to be rough. I'll get into that in a second, Cody, but just wanted to get your thoughts. Is Jalen Johnson a guy that you've had any trouble kind of evaluating? Yeah, I guess there's trouble just because I'm not as high on him as some of the consensus is. And like you said, he has a great frame, great build. He's 6'9", 220 plus pounds, moves pretty well. But you're right, the omission, um, it's just the film's really underwhelming for me. And you're going to get into the offense here, but, uh, you know, he shot 44% from three, but on such little volume, I really don't buy uh, that jump shot either. So I'm kind of with you where uh, I'm just not as high on him as other people are. Yeah, it's like I want to buy him because of the theory of the player and the archetype and how valuable it could potentially be. But I just don't really think he is that kind of a player. So offensively, um, he's kind of a guy where at the next level, I think you almost have to cater parts of your offense to because he's a very good passer, especially in transition. But just in the half court, I just don't know what he's really going to do. So I, I think of him almost in like a Draymond Green, Ben Simmons mold offensively where, yeah, very good passers. But I mean, you're either going to have him stand in the dunks dunker spot or they're going to be the big in the pick and roll. And yes, they can make good reads out of the short roll, but they can't create for themselves, can't really create for others in the half court. And so it's it's difficult to fit them in and you almost have to fit around them. But I mean, with those guys, those guys are all world IQ, all world defensive players. So you can and you have to fit them in offensively just because they are worth it. Is Jalen Johnson going to be worth it? I have a hard time really believing that. So it's just difficult for me because I don't like betting against good athletes that are 6'8 with good physical tools and that are good passers. But just the fit and the film doesn't match kind of the player archetype that we're hoping for, in my opinion. Yeah, I do kind of get a lot of Nazir Little and Stanley Johnson vibes from Jalen Johnson. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, like you said, the flashes of IQ with the passing and playmaking are great. So hopefully he can figure it out. But yeah, the film, in my opinion, uh, doesn't help his case, especially defensively, because like you said, he's going to be a little raw offensively, uh, you know, participating in scoring. So with that frame, he's really going to have to bring it defensively. And I just don't see it effort or IQ wise there. Yeah, and to be clear, when I was comparing him to Draymond and Simmons, obviously that's just the fact that you have to kind of cater your offense to them. He's not that level of a passer, and he's not the level of an athlete. He doesn't play with the same force that Ben Simmons does offensively. 
And so it's just to illustrate that it's just a tough fit for him offensively and you have to make up for that defensively. And I think that's that's just tough to buy for me. But Cody, let's get into your guy now. So yeah, we don't have to spend a ton of time on him here, but someone I've struggled with all year and then especially after his tournament run is Johnny Juzang. And part of the reason is just... Um, I'm so intrigued by his shot making. I think it's the number one skill you can have. I mean, you can do a lot of things exceptionally, uh, exceptionally well to get playing time in the NBA. But I, to me, shot making will always be the most important skill to have. And he's got good size, uh, good length. He's six six. He can put the ball on the deck and uh, just light it up. So kind of having trouble just how far. Uh, I want to bring him up my board. He's going to have to work on his physicality defensively and whatnot, but it's an offensive-driven league, and I just don't see a world where he he doesn't get buckets at the next level to some extent. Whether off the bench his whole career as kind of a, a scorer off the bench or, or if it's just early on uh, and then he develops into a high-scoring starter like a TJ Warren type, um, he's kind of – been a little bit tough for me right now on where exactly to have him yeah and the reason why I think Juzang is interesting is because I'm still seeing him exclusively you know for the most part going in second rounds in mock drafts and on the other side there's a guy like Davion Mitchell where he was projected to go middle late maybe early second round but certainly no higher than like middle the first coming into the NCAA tournament but then, based on his performance in the tournament, uh, he's looked at a guy that potentially could go 6-7, you know, top half of the lottery. So I just don't really get kind of the difference there. And, like, I totally understand we don't want to buy too much or put too much stock into small sample size NCAA tournament. That's something we, you know, drill in all the time. Like, don't put too much into this. Don't put too much into this. But at the same time with Juzang, are we not putting enough into it? Um, and yeah, like he was amazing in the tournament, but that shot making, you know, from mid-range and just the touch, that was something that if you look at his stats over the course of the year, I, I think he did it pretty well all year. The stats bear that out too. So I do think that we almost may have underreacted in terms of evaluators as a whole to what Juzang did both in the tournament and over the course of the year. So I, I did think that contrast between Mitchell and Juzang is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, well, coming up after the break, we are going to talk about some prospects that the Knicks should consider with their two first-round picks. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Locked On is partnering with Michelob Ultra to bring you the Ultra Player of the Week. And because we're a draft podcast, we figured we'd pick the top rookies for our Ultra Player of the Week. Michelob believes joy creates success, and this week's winner is Isaiah Stewart of the Detroit Pistons, also known as Beef Stew. He's been having a tremendous rookie season for the Pistons, uh, playing mostly off the bench. He's had games of 21, 16 rebounds. Uh, he comes in, he plays tough defense, sets nice screens. He's been an awesome addition to their young core. On the year, he's slashing 58% from the field, 41% from the line. Uh, he's having a great season, and Beef Stew is our Ultra Player of the Week. Michelob 
has some of their own stats with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories per bottle. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Our Ultra Player of the Week, Isaiah Stewart. Tomorrow, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube pages to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft starting tomorrow, April 29th through May 1st. All right, Sam, let's get into our next listener question. And that's uh, what are he said he asked for five. What are five prospects uh, the Knicks should consider? Okay, so, well, first of all, we took that whole first segment to get through one question. So we're going to get through the rest of these pretty quick or at least a little bit more quickly so we can get through all of them. I think we only have seven, so we should be fine. So in terms of the Knicks here, the first thing that jumps out is it's just Kind of different to see them not not in the lottery this year. Uh, no offense and no slight there. The Knicks have been very, uh, very good compared to the expectations this year. They've got two picks now in that are, look like they're going to be in the mid-20s, both theirs and the Mavericks. So five guys, Cody, I'll start. And number one for me is Sharif Cooper, a guy that we have talked about. He is one of my guys in this draft, and I think he is for you. You might even be slightly higher on him. I think we both have him in the lottery in this draft, but I'm still see, seeing him in you know, more consensus, more mainstream mock drafts. He's still going anywhere from late teens to end of the first round. So he's a guy that, if I'm the Knicks, I would certainly be targeting in the 20s. I like it. One guy, I went a little different direction here uh, with – Randall and Barrett being uh, very big on ball, and they do have uh, Quickly, who will hopefully take another jump next year. He's been awesome for them this year. I just went with some, uh, was thinking some guys that could bring some 3 and D for them and kind of have that Tibbs-type uh, toughness. And so one of the guys in that range that I would love for them is Chris Duarte, someone that can play off ball next to Barrett and Randall and uh, has some height, has some size. He'll be able to knock down threes and then get after it defensively. Yep, that one makes sense. The next guy that I have is an international guy. He's also another one of my guys in this draft. And over the next couple questions, we answer you're probably going to get a, a good feel for some of the guys that we are higher on and would advocate for teams taking. And number two, though, is Rocco Perkison. I am not good at pronouncing Baltic names, but Rocco is a guy that I am higher on than the consensus. He's a guy that in consensus mock drafts is also still going late first, early second. Uh, he's a guy that I've been on for a while, but because of a couple big performances lately, he is starting to move up. He's starting to get a bit more recognition and consensus in mainstream mocks, but he's a guy that is a lottery pick for me. And so I've been kind of ahead of the curve there, if you want to call it that. I don't think the consensus is going to get as high as I am there, but he's a guy that is a four at the next level. He plays with physicality. He's pretty athletic, got long arms, big hands, just has the, the physical profile you would hope for. And he's already very productive in a good league. Uh, he's improved the jumper a lot, got good feel, uh, very tough player too. So he'll fit in there. I really like him. He's a lottery pick for me in this draft. 
I like it as well. Another guy I had was Jared Butler. If he's a late first rounder, uh, I think that would be decent value there. I think he can step in and play right away. And what I like about Jared Butler is he can play on ball and give you some on ball reps. He's a good creator. Uh, but he also is tremendous playing off ball. He did it a lot with Mitchell and Macy Oteague. Uh, he's a knockdown uh, spot up shooter. I think he's pretty versatile for a guard spot. And he's another guy. He's going to get after it defensively. He's going to play hard, high character. Uh, just seems like he'd be a good fit in Tibbs' system as well. The last one that I'll give Cody is a bit of a an upside swing where the floor might be a bit lower, but I like the upside, and that is Josh Christopher, who I don't think was in a great situation at Arizona State. Obviously, it was difficult for all freshmen with COVID, and Arizona State was hit very hard. Just don't think the situation was great, but very good athlete. He's a guy that can create and hit his own shot, including difficult shots in the mid-range, and I actually like him a bit defensively. The tape was certainly up and down, and... He's a guy that we'll probably get into more in later episodes, but I do like him as an upside swing at the end of the first round. I like it. All right, Sam, let's get back to the question we didn't get to in the first segment, and that yep. is our point guard rankings after Jalen Suggs. We can make this one pretty quick. Uh, what does it look like for you after Suggs? Yeah, just as a preface here, we did a whole episode on this. Was that last episode, Cody, or two episodes ago now? I believe it was last week, yeah. Okay, so last week, so I'll give you the list of, na- list of names, Cody, and you can kind of rank them for me if you want to include all of them or just some of them. But the guys there are Josh Giddy, Davion Mitchell, Jaden Springer, Cooper, Trey Mann, and then Jared Butler would be the guys to include there. Um, give me kind of an idea on where you are on those guys and kind of your quick rankings. Well, if we just do this quick, after Suggs, I will say that I think I'm coming around and uh, having Giddy up there after Suggs. I really like uh, Josh Giddy. And then I'm kind of a sucker for the playmaking from Sharif Cooper. I think in the NBA with more more pace and space, uh, his skill set's going to work really well. We see more and more smaller players have success right now. And... uh, after that, still kind of organizing. I will say I like Butler and Mitchell and Trey Mann uh, more than I like Springer. Okay, interesting. So for me, pretty similar at the top. We talked about Giddy and Cooper a lot on the last episode. I have Giddy there in the first spot after Suggs and after Cade. Then I have Sharif Cooper. Then I've got Springer, Davion Mitchell, Trey Mann, then Butler. Uh, One sleeper guy to include that I've talked about before and I do like is Miles McBride, who I would argue having as high as uh, number four on that list over uh, just after Springer. So I I would actually maybe have him above Mitchell, Trey Mann and Jared Butler. Yeah, Um, I was going to mention that, too, because he wasn't in the little short list there, but McBride would be up past some of those guys for sure. Yep. Okay. next question is. Is there any chance someone from this draft becomes a Luka-level prospect? And if not, who has the best shot? You know, I think the obvious answer here is Cade Cunningham. Uh, We were just talking about point guards, uh, and we didn't include him. We talked about Suggs and everyone after that. 
I just I think Cunningham's going to end up being uh, you know on ball um, and calling him a point guard, small forward, whatever you want, kind of like Luca, where I mean you could label him whatever, but he has the ball in his hands a lot. I think uh, K to Cunningham, if he isn't there his first year, he's going to get there. And so that's the obvious answer. Um, I don't know if anyone's Luca level. Uh, we'll see. But the other guy just with the highest ceiling for me is Jalen Green. And I think you have pretty similar thoughts on that. I do. And I think it's very, very, very unlikely that anyone becomes a Luca level prospect. Luca is on pace to become a potential top 10 player in NBA history. So you just certainly can never bet on that. I do think that Cade will be. Close to a perennial all-star, you know, at least four or five times in his career, I think. And then I think Jalen Green has the second highest ceiling after that. And then I also just wanted to add one other side thought here. You know, Luca was an international prospect. This international class is not as heralded. It's not as well, you know, viewed as other classes. But I have Rocco, Giddy, and Garuba all as lottery picks this year. And so I think that this international class has been a bit underlooked and underrated as a whole. Uh, and I even like the top of it there. So just wanted to include that thought in there as well. But we can move on to the next question, which is, is Corey Kispert actually better than Wieskamp, Hauser, Hurt, Duarte, Kessler, Edwards as a shooter? Or is he more of a product of Gonzaga's system? So the short answer is for me is no. Um, I'd have to compare him individually to each one of those guys. I do have him above some of those guys, but I also have him below. I think the uh, the national success for Gonzaga this year has really vaulted him up high. If anyone listens to us regularly, they know that we are not as high on Kispert as the consensus. But yeah, there's guys like uh, Kessler, Edwards, and Duarte and whatnot who I would have ranked above Kispert. Yep, you beat me to it. I I prefer Chris Duarte as a prospect. I prefer Kessler Edwards as a prospect. Uh, though Kessler Edwards and Kispert are a bit closer. Yeah. Uh, in terms of shooting, I I mean, like you said, we'd have to go through each one. Wieskamp is interesting. He's a guy that you don't want to base too much on a small sample because you know, individually, season by season, it's varied a lot, but he's over 41% on his career, very good in just catch and shoot. I don't really view him as an NBA prospect, though, at least as a guy that I'd view as like a top 45 prospect. And then Matthew Hurt, very talented offensive player. He might be the best just bucket getter on this list, but he's a big to me, and I don't think he'll make it defensively in the NBA. Um, so that's kind of a quick overview on a couple of those guys. Yeah, I like it. All right. So after this break, we are going to talk about some good fits for the Nuggets and then just briefly get into the top of next year's draft class. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. As I've discussed before, I'm not a guy that has eaten or tasted a lot of protein bars just because you know, I have tasted them before and I'm not a fan of the flavor really. So I, they're just not a go-to snack for me, but Bilt Bar is different. I think they taste better. They're all covered in hundred percent chocolate, which really helps the taste. And they just have a lot of different flavors, 18 amazing flavors. In fact, including caramel, brownie, cookies, and cream, lemon, almond, cheesecake, 
Apple Almond Crisp, just a lot of different options so you can kind of get a feel for what you like. On top of how good they taste, they're very healthy for health-conscious guys like us. They can help you lose or maintain weight. And because you're listening to our podcast, you do get a bit of an offer here where if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you will get a 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way but to bet on all your sports action. Uh, the NFL is over, college basketball is over, but NBA and NHL are in full swing. Uh, bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They have you covered for all news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to their website, use promo code LOCKEDON, and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All righty, Sam. Let's get into the question about the Nuggets. Who would be a good fit for the Nuggets in this year's class? So the listener who submitted this question suggested Davion Mitchell um, I'm not sure if that was like a joke or not, but unfortunately, Davion Mitchell, unless the Nuggets trade up, will not be there when they select. The ironic thing there is I think Davion Mitchell would be a really good fit because I think one of you know their weaknesses or potential holes in the rosters, I think they could use a smaller defensive guard to guard more of the Steph Curry's Damian Lillard's that they could potentially face in the Western Conference. So... We talked about him earlier, but similar prospect, Miles McBride would be a good fit. They might be able to get him in the second round. Um, but in terms of in the first round, Cody, uh, in the 20s, who were a couple guys that if you were the Nuggets, you would uh, potentially target there? So the thing with the Nuggets is that they have their on-ball guys. Hopefully Jamal Murray comes back better and stronger than ever. Uh, the offense runs through Nikola Jokic, and I am a huge believer, always have been, in Michael Porter Jr. We're seeing him get more shot attempts with Murray out. I think he's really going to step up. And so to round out that roster uh, with Porter Jr., Murray, and Jokic all not being amazing defenders, you, you need those Aaron Gordon types, the Paul Millsap types, guys that can make up on that end. I actually had Miles McBride as one of the targets. Uh, as it stands, I think they're about 26th pick, so this is going to be late first round. Uh, Miles McBride would be great there. And then my other two, uh, the first one is Isaiah Livers. Uh, I think he can stretch the floor. He's over 40% three-point shooter. Uh, he's tough. He's smart. A guy that understands his role. He's coming off injury, um, but I think Livers would be a great fit there. And then my last one is a guy that I really don't like um, as a long-term NBA uh, contributor, but that's Joel Ayayi. 
Uh, he is hands down, in my opinion, the best um, off-ball cutter in college basketball. And I think he would be a dream fit in Denver specifically. Uh, he really just lulls his man to sleep when he's off ball and will end up with these backdoor cuts for layups. He's super good finisher around the rim. Super sneaky, never in a hurry. Him and Jokic would be a tear in that offense. And then he also is a good spot-up shooter, shoots the ball really well. And defensively, uh, not amazing, but he can hold his own. He could really... Uh, specialize on that end of the floor for them, I think. So those are three of the guys that I kind of like for Denver. Yeah, and at least a couple of those, they might be able to trade up into the similar early mid-second round to get their hands on. So the guys that I had, one was Miles McBride, who I talked about, and you also had. The other two are different. One is Chris Duarte, who you mentioned earlier, I think, for the Knicks. And of course, we've mentioned him for a few different teams, but the reason is because he is versatile and he fits in everywhere. He's a tough physical defender, can create his own shot, though, that I don't think he'll be asked to do that at the next level. But a good knockdown shooter, a uh, 6'6 wing that can defend, can play, can move off ball. So I like the fit there. If they want to go that direction of more of, you know, an instant contributor off the bench. If they want to go for a bit more of an upside swing, a wing like Terrence Shannon would be a guy that I like who... A bit of kind of in the Kelly Oubre mold where he's got that length, athleticism, very fast at like 6'7". The jumper did improve this year, year over year, compared to his freshman year. Still pretty young, and I think he's a guy that uh, has some upside with the physical tools and just improved a lot, in my opinion, from freshman to sophomore year. Yeah, Duarte was also on my short list. Uh, mentioned him for the Knicks, though. Uh, I think that's another great fit. I agree with you there. All right. So I think we're on to our final question now, which was how much have you or have you seen much of next year's class? And if so, what is the beginning of your board like? So, Cody, I'll start. And we don't have time to get too far into this class. Obviously, we're going to have tons of time in the future to cover these guys. And we can't wait for that. For now, we just decided to kind of cover, not cover entirely, but touch on uh, the top two guys, at least consensus right now, which are Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro. Chet is recently committed to Gonzaga. We briefly touched on him last episode as well. And then Bancaro is going to go to Duke. Uh, which of the go those guys do you want to start with, Cody? And do you have a, a preference between those two at this point? So I think there is some argument out there that uh, Paolo should be the number one player in the class, and those arguments do not bother me at all. I also am a guy that I like the diversity in thought. I'm not always um, just so gung-ho about like Cade having to be the number one prospect. I like when people have their own opinions. We get the draft wrong quite often, so... I do have Chet as my number one prospect right now, but I totally understand the arguments and I may be dissuaded to switch them. Uh, but if we want to just start with Chet, he's the number one ranked player as of now going to Gonzaga. Um, his uh, weakness is going to be just his frame. Uh, but that doesn't bother me as much in the current NBA. We've seen a lot of really skinny players do well. There's less physicality. There's less uh, less hands-on defense, and Chet uh, is just tough. I mean, if you watch the film, 
Uh, he is rail thin, but he is tough and he plays a lot stronger than he is. And he's only going to get uh, stronger over the course of the next year. What are your kind of thoughts on Chad or those two compared to each other? Yeah, to piggyback off what you were saying, obviously the worry with Chet is the frame. But if you watch him, it's not like it's really an issue. I mean, guys put a shoulder into him and it doesn't affect him. We talked about last episode, he's one of the best just verticality rim protector guys that we've seen and other evaluators I've talked to feel the same way. So yes, it's a worry, but at the same time, it doesn't really actually manifest itself on the court much as a real weakness. And to kind of go off that point, he is so tough, both physically and mentally. I'm sure we all watched the game where he played against Emony Bates and Chet was just like a terminator in that game. You knew he, he took that matchup personally. He dominated that matchup. You know, when it came to closing the game, he wanted the ball and he dominated. And that was awesome to see. So just on top of the uniqueness of his game, you know, for example, I was a guy that loved Poku last class and Chet has somewhat of a similar body, but in my opinion, Chet is more developed, much superior defensively and just more physical of a guy. And so I, I, I still prefer Chet to Paolo and specifically if we're talking about next year at Duke versus Gonzaga, their freshman years, I, I think Chet is going to have the better year, but We'll see what happens, and obviously we can reevaluate from there. Uh, in terms of Paolo Cody, though, the thing that stood out is, you know, last year he was listed as kind of a 6'9"-ish wing. Uh, he's apparently grown now and is like 6'11", 250. And watching the film, it is pretty evident he is a monster. He's got the opposite, you know, type of a body compared to Chet, where he just looks like a monster out there. Uh, anything else that kind of stands out to you, just super high level uh, about Paolo and maybe his fit at Duke next year? I, I'll just say this. He is a lot better than guys with uh, just the similar builds from this year, like Jalen Johnson or Jonathan yep. Kaminga. Yep. Uh, like you, you just mentioned, he grew. Uh, but yeah, he is a, a force. I'm sure he's 230 plus pounds now moves really well, and he's just a lot better than those similar types from this year's class. Yeah, I kind of naturally compared him to Jalen Johnson just because of the build and going to Duke and how they're both a little bit more maybe fours than than wings, but he is much more physical, more skilled, and just better all around than Jalen Johnson, for sure. Not even close, in my opinion. And I thought it was funny. He's from the Seattle area, and I saw mm -hmm. you know he had talked about working out and playing a ton, getting a ton of reps in with former Seattle greats that you and I love, Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, Levine, Spencer Hawes, I think he mentioned Marquise Chris. And it was funny because it, it was almost as if he was like trying to appease evaluators like you and I, Cody, because he said he said growing up he could just use his physicality and he he liked to just catch it in the high post and kind of go at guys with his athleticism. But with them, he said they would force him to initiate offense. He was using like scouting buzzwords like initiate offense, get them into the offense, uh, just um, reps and pick and roll and just being able to process different defenses. So I thought it was it was kind of cool to hear him speak like that. It was almost like he was trying to appease to, to guys like us. And so I'm excited to see how well 
those perimeter skills translate next year at Duke. I think he'll slot in kind of at the four next to Mark Williams. So, yeah, I, I really like him as a prospect for sure. Um, but I still do slightly prefer Chet. But that is far from locked, far from locked in, far from written in, in Sharpie. So we'll, I think, both be excited to see them play next year in college. Absolutely. Uh, we just want to thank you guys that submitted questions for this mailbag episode. Uh, we appreciate our listeners. Be sure to listen to the other hosts on this channel. They're both doing great work. Uh, it's been a privilege to work alongside them. Uh, Sam, do you have any concluding thoughts? Nope. Just thank you for tuning in and follow us at Draft Dummies on Twitter. I try to post a, a lot of clips there and kind of thoughts that I have. And I'm always open to chat just on Twitter or in the DMs. We love engaging with everyone. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening and for submitting questions.